Hello and thanks for joining us for another episode of the Alternative London Podcast. I'm your host, Gary Means. In this episode, I'm joined by the brilliant Nadia Abbas, co-founder of Stucky. Nadia and her two co-founders, Luke and Quincy, developed Stucky in 2011 as a sustainable jewellery brand with their roots firmly in youth culture. We talk about Nadia's experience as a young female entrepreneur, developing a modern fashion company that champions traditional handmade techniques and building a movement with the community at the heart of everything they do. Stucky has had to overcome some unimaginable adversity and I was really impressed with how Nadia and Luke have managed to keep going when most people would have given up. She's a real inspiration to anyone thinking of starting a creative business. I hope you enjoy listening as much as I did recording. This is the Alternative London podcast with Nadia Abbas. Thanks for making it down on this um, beautiful Wednesday morning. Um, I know you guys have got quite a lot on at the moment preparing for your uh, big market event on the Sunday, so I kind of appreciate you taking the time um, to do this. For those of you that don't know you, um, can you tell us a little bit about um, Stucky and what you guys do? Sure. So Stucky was established in 2011. Uh, so we just had our 10th year anniversary last year. And we've basically come about because it was three friends with the same interest in art, music and fashion. And because I studied jewellery design at university and wanted to continue in the field of jewellery, I tried to get my foot in the door at the time when I left, but there was nothing quite available or anything that there was no opportunities that presented itself to me. So after like six months of not being able to get a job anywhere in the industry, I was kind of fed up. So that's when I kind of stayed in contact with Quincy, who was also on my course at uni. And because we always resonated with each other and had such a, we were always aligned. We always used to hang out and like go and do some sketching in the West End. I don't know if you remember a shop called Borders. That, That was a really cool shop where they had like a cafe and it was like full of magazines and books and you could just sit and chill there. So we used to hang out there quite often. And then the idea of Stucky came about just because we were always interested in the same things of like art and fashion and music. And I think because we kind of really got on so well, I think that's when we realised we could actually start a business together. So that's when he approached me to be like, oh, do you want to try something since we he he kind of left the course so he didn't graduate but I graduated and because we were both at loose ends that's where the idea came about and I thought I've got nothing to lose so let's just go for it and I had no interest in being an entrepreneur at the time like it was nothing that I kind of imagined myself being I wanted to be like the typical route of going to uni getting a degree and getting a job like how they plan it like how society plans it but it kind of didn't pan out that way so and I'm grateful for that because now when I look back I think that I can't do anything else like I'm so glad that I made that leap because it is scary being an entrepreneur because the path is not laid out and there's no right or wrong answer to do things it's quite a scary thing to do especially when you're fresh out of uni and you haven't got a clue about the real world like you just do your course and then they throw you into the real world and that's it so That's how Stucky came about. 
And we met our third co-founder, Luke, as well, because we needed a graphic designer, someone who was focusing on like the branding and that side of stuff. So we each had our own element within the brand. So I was like the main jewelry technologist that focused on the production and stuff. As I said, Luke was the branding and music because he's a DJ and producer. And then Quincy, he was handling like the networking side of things and meeting people and getting people to know about Stucky. So we each had our role and we each gelled so nicely. And I'm so grateful for that opportunity. And even studying that course and meeting Quincy, I felt like it it just happened and it was happened so organically. So I know starting a business is scary when you're trying to choose who to work with, like other co-founders, but that didn't seem like a scary thing at all. Like, it just happened so organically and like we all bonded so well so we're here 11 years later and yeah yeah so it's been quite a journey a lot of stuff has happened stuff that we didn't predict happening but that's the way business goes so I'm truly grateful to just be here today on this podcast with you oh amazing yeah welcome to the alternative London podcast it's amazing to have you um yeah and you guys you have built up like a really strong brand and that kind of what you're saying really um resonates with me a lot as well because you know I started a, a company that was in a kind of field that was established but what we did was quite unique and new at the time so there's no kind of rule book to it and you just have to kind of learn along the way and figure it all out for yourself and there's a lot of challenges but yeah kind of for me 11 12 years later as well I wouldn't really change it or wouldn't really want to do anything else I think maybe the pandemic made me realize that a little bit more as well that kind of what we've got is actually pretty good and 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 you miss it a lot you know exactly Uh, I feel like the pandemic was a blessing and a curse for a lot of people obviously there was a lot of tragedy that happened with that But like yourself, it made us realise that we're extremely lucky to run our own business. And even though it did affect us in terms of workshops and stuff where we couldn't have like people coming in and taking part, it made us think outside of the box and adapt. And because our business is so flexible, we were able to do so many things online. And we're so lucky with the technology we have today as well. Like I was having a conversation with someone and saying like, imagine if we were in this pandemic in the 1920s and we didn't have like no technology or anything, what would people be doing? Because we were so lucky that we were able to still have Zoom meetings and things like that and do live streaming. So we did a lot of live streamed workshops and stuff. So we were still able to connect with people. So again, that opened my eyes to the fact that we are extremely lucky to still be going because I know a lot of businesses had to shut down because of that. It did affect everyone's revenue drastically. But we were so quick in thinking of ways to adapt what we do. And because there's so many different sides to Stuki, we had that flexibility to be able to just present live streams or just... Uh, that gave us time to design as well design new pieces and new collections that we then released after or during the pandemic but it gave us a lot of time to think about the things that we always neglected as well so I feel like it was a blessing for us yeah I think overall it was um it was like you say it was terrible but a lot of good things sort of came out of it um but yeah Stucky it's um you're like dripping Stucky at the minute like you came in and you've got like the the jacket the bag the vest like all of the jewelry and it's all like really sick stuff like thank you yeah it's amazing um like quality and design and um yeah you guys have kind of got a, a sort of unique place in the in the market haven't you with um with the sort of like you're saying it's it's not just um it's not just about the jewelry it's about the the kind of music 
the youth culture element, the fact that everything that you do has a, a sort of community element to it as well. Exactly. Um, yeah, how did that kind of come about? Because when Stucky first started, we were still very young and fresh in the scene. So I feel like at that time, we were the age of people that we wanted to connect with now, for example. How old so, were you when you started it? Um, so I was 23. Wow, that's young. Yeah, so I was 23 when Stucky started because I just left uni. And so... I guess we've kind of grown up in that whole London culture and the London lifestyle and just connecting with like young people throughout what we were doing on a daily basis anyway. And so as Stuki has grown, we've always wanted to stay connected with that. And so that's why now we're kind of nurturing the next generation of people. So we do take on a lot of interns and trainees that are those ages and younger. So in a sense, we, we're still staying connected with the people that we want to connect with because they keep us up to date with what is going on now. Because obviously, as everyone gets older, you're kind of in your own world and everything you're doing is like not the same as what everyone else is doing, especially if they're a younger generation. So that's how we stay connected with the youth. And also, we like working with a lot of people. Uh, uh, community projects as well that are nurturing people especially disadvantaged people of colour and so I feel like that's super important because Stucky has been built from community and with a love of art music and fashion so we're just trying to bridge the gap and connect that with whatever we do so yes we do create jewellery we do make collections and we do sell products but there's also other sides to it as well so we're not just a brand that is just outward facing we're doing stuff behind the scenes as well that is helping the community the local community and whoever we can reach out to as well that's amazing so you've got like the really nice sort of philosophy that goes alongside it and through that you not only take on interns as well but like you run a lot of workshops as well don't you you kind of pass on your your own skills to other people as well yeah so you're right we do run uh, monthly jewelry making workshops as well so we normally run those from our studio in Woolwich, but we're able, because it's such a compact, well, not compact, there's a lot of tools and stuff that I have to take with me, but because we're able to just throw all that in a case, we can rock up anywhere and just, as long as we have a table and chairs, we can do our workshops anywhere, which we have done. So we've done some in Peckham. We used to do them in uh, Brick Lane as well, in our old studio in Somerset House. So we're able to do those jewellery making workshops anywhere. And the whole premise behind it is just opening people's eyes into the handmade te uh, jewellery technique because obviously I've been brought up with that whole traditional sense of jewellery making, whereas now with technology and 3D printing, people are steering towards machines and just losing that crafted side of the jewellery making. So one of my main goals in Stuki is just to remind people about that whole crafted element. So that's the reason why we put on the workshops, because we invite members of the public who have had no experience in jewellery making, but just to come, come to our studio, see the pieces that we've made, but also get to experience how to make them as well by using the tools, by showing you the steps that it takes to actually wax carve a piece of jewellery, and by the end of it, they could get it made as well if they wanted to. So it's a completely unique piece and an experience as well. And I find that by the end of a lot of our sessions, people really do appreciate it. And I've had people say to me, oh, wow, now I understand how much work and effort goes into making jewellery. Because people are so used to fast fashion nowadays and like disposable things like 
buying a ring for like one or two pounds, wearing it once, it going bad and throwing it away. In this day and age, we can't afford to be like that anymore. We've got to try and think of sustainable ways to make product, but still look good as well. So that's one of our main goals is just to remind people that the stuff that we create is good quality stuff that you could pass down through generations as soon as you um, purchase a piece. So as long as we teach people how to care for them, they're able to just have that piece for life. And then that opens their eyes into the reason why it costs this much. And to be fair, our jewellery, our price point is not that expensive anyway. But when we were first coming up, we had a lot of people going, oh, why is that so expensive? Why is that that price? So that also sparked on us to do the workshops as well, because we thought this is a great way for people to realise this is why it costs that price. And so because, as I said earlier, because I've had people say, oh, now I understand, that has made me like, that is my goal ticked off because I'm like, that's all I wanted. I just want people to understand that we're not high street stores. We're not getting things mass manufactured on a, a million pound level or whatever. All these pieces that we're creating are all handcrafted and like limited as well. So we make to order. So when people order something, that's when the item gets made. So we're not sitting on tons of dead stock. It's like we're trying to be as sustainable as possible, but also staying true to that crafted element. Yeah, that's amazing. I never really thought about it, how we think about fast fashion. But for someone like me that, um, you know, fashion is one of the things that I don't really know very much about. So I don't really think about jewellery as part of like that kind of fast fashion world. But bringing a lot of young people into the idea of making things with their hands, having the appreciation of the effort that goes into it, how much it takes to like kind of make it and then making something that they actually want to kind of look after and keep hold of that is kind of quite um, an ancient idea but that you're bringing into like the kind of 21st century isn't it which is quite um yeah it's quite a unique pitch isn't it exactly yeah yeah so i feel like it's super important to remind people that we've got to keep the tradition alive especially in the jewelry industry a lot of the old craft makers they're all old age now they're all elderly And so they're starting to uh, pass away and that trade is dying out because the younger generation is not being trained up. So again, that's one of my priorities is in in the jewellery industry, there's so many different sectors of it as well. Like you get stone setters, you get engravers, you get casters. So there's so many different stages of jewellery. And so it's so important that we nurture the next generation and remind them that you don't have to go the academic route. There are all these amazing crafts that you could... Th- uh, bring back and thrive in as well if you just uh, like really focus and pin like your skills onto a certain area and just try and keep that alive so again like doing these workshops a lot of people have gone on to do like more jewelry making after taking part so just to hear that and see what people are creating after taking part in one of our workshops is also quite um, humbling because I'm like, wow, they've actually learned something by coming to one of our sessions and they've gone away and like found a new interest or a new hobby that they're actually continuing. So I feel like that is great when that happens. Yeah, that's a big win, isn't it? Yeah. Shows that you're definitely like doing stuff, like moving in the right direction. Yeah. Um, what was it got? What was it that got you into, into jewellery making originally? 
Um, so I always say this and I always find it funny when I say it, but it was an accident because I never saw myself as a jeweller. I mean, when I was younger, I always told myself I never want to work in a jewellery shop because I don't want to get robbed. So <laughs> that's what I always said. So I, I think it's kind of ironic now that I'm actually a jeweller because I was so against it when I was younger. Um, but I wanted to be like a graphic designer. But when I was at college, I studied art and design. So I was doing like very similar stuff to what you've got here. Like I was so into the graffiti and that kind of art. And when I went to the open days for unis to look at all the graphic design courses, it, everything was just on the computer and it put me off. I was like, I don't want to be sitting in front of a computer all day designing just on the computer. I love hand drawing and spray painting and doing things like that. And none, none of those courses kind of provided that and excited me in that sense. So when I went back to my college teacher and told her that I was kind of deflated by what I've seen at uni, she was like, oh, why don't you try jewellery making? Because you're really good with like small things. And I, to this day, I still don't know how she managed to see that because I never did jewellery or anything like that at college. But it was like something that she saw in me that I didn't see in myself at the time. And I feel like that sometimes that's the power of like being a teacher, isn't it? Because you can see the potential of your students. So it's actually because of her that I got into it because I took her word for it. And I started looking at jewellery courses and things. And then I was like, oh, yeah, let me just try this. So I tried it and then I haven't looked back since. So uh, that's such a nice story. Yeah. Are you still in touch with her? No. Did you let her know that? Did she know that you started a jewelry business afterwards? Yeah, I did, but we just kind of drifted apart. Yeah, of course. But as, as long as she knew yeah. that, like, you did that afterwards, that's like she must be well proud. But probably after this podcast, I'll I'll see if I can track her down again. Actually, because yeah. it's it's definitely been at least like eight years or something. Yeah. Oh man, she'd be well proud to see what you've yeah. done so far. So it's all because of that one teacher. Yeah. I think that's great. Yeah, amazing. Um, so you've kind of had a lot of um, ups and downs over the years. Well, anyone that's run a business for like 10 years, you're going to have, especially through the climate that we've like run it through, there's been like a lot of ups and downs and everything, hasn't there? Um, what's been some of the kind of highlights for you? Oh, the highlights. I would say we had a very early highlight, which was in 2013. So we were only running for two years. And in 2013, we managed to get a collection in Topman. So I feel like that is definitely up there in terms of a highlight because it was definitely an experience where we kind of learned how to work with those kind of companies because there's those companies are massive, like high street companies, and there's so many people that you've got to go through. It was a real learning curve in seeing how that side of the world works because it's so different to being an entrepreneur and a small team and just like seeing the same people every day. Whereas when you're working with a big company like that, every day you're seeing someone from a different department and you've got to talk to someone about this and then you've got to like relay it to that person. So that was a real experience. It was definitely a highlight. It was like a hard lesson to learn as well because we were so fresh and so young. I feel like, I mean, I don't like to say this, but they definitely took advantage. Um, so I would say, I think I would definitely, I probably wouldn't do anything differently, but I would just try and work a bit smarter. Yeah. But because we had no experience in that and there was no one to tell us like what, what not to, like what was the right route and what wasn't, I think that's what was tricky about it. But as I said, 
I wouldn't do anything differently, but I learned a lot from it that we've been able to use for future collaborations. So it was definitely a highlight because we had, we were the first menswear collect, um, brand, jewellery brand to be in Top Man. So like first premium jewellery brand to be in Top Man at that time. Wow. And they ordered like 100 pieces of each. So we had 11 pieces in the collection and they wanted 100 units of each. So we had to create 1,100 pieces in three weeks. And this was over the Christmas period as well. So I didn't sleep for probably about three weeks because I was there making, like, we were all hand-making this stuff. So as I was saying earlier, like, they're so used to running through machines and things like that with their collections and their jewellery. So because we were hand-making everything, it was hard to translate to them that that was our process just because that was so foreign to them. So it was definitely a massive learning curve and the, probably the only thing I would do differently is probably either order a lower quantity or hire more people. But at the time, we had no money to hire people. We had to do everything in-house. So It's a catch-22, isn't exactly, it? Exactly. So. But those are the things you learn from, aren't they? Exactly. And now, and now if like a big brand came to you and said, can we have 1,100 units or whatever, you just know what to do know now. To do. Just know how to do it and you just smash it out. Exactly. And you need those early ones to kind of to set the precedent and to like show you what it is to be able to do that those kind of things exactly. you know what I mean yeah, yeah we've had plenty of them over the years and yeah you've had a lot of tricky times as well like do you want to sort of talk about some of those things yeah sure so I'll probably say the hardest challenge that Stuki has ever faced is one of our co-founders passing away so unfortunately Quincy passed away in 2014 um so that because we were all we were all the same age and we were all young and just started a new business that never crossed our mind when we decided to join forces and start a business. Like it probably should have, but at the time, no, we, I don't think you so. Don't that think age, so. You wouldn't, no. no, I'm not at that age, but probably in businesses nowadays. Like when people are starting businesses, they always have that clause, right? If like someone passes away or not. At that time, it was just. It was definitely a big, big challenge because it happened so suddenly as well. There was no sign of him being sick um, in a serious sense. So it kind of threw us off. So we had to go on a hiatus for like two years and decide what we wanted to do with Stucky, whether we wanted to carry on or, or not. But we came so far by the time that he passed away that we had too much to throw away. It was like we've built this up and we had such momentum as well. And then the rug got pulled from us and just everything was up in the air. Everything was so uncertain. Obviously, we lost a friend as well. And because by that time, I've known him for a few years and we had so many moments together. It was definitely challenging because when something like that happens, people tend to throw themselves into work. But because he was a part of work, that was almost impossible. So it was tough, but we got through it. I feel like it was super important for us to take that hiatus just to like reflect on things and just really decide what it is I wanted to do. And because I had that time to reflect, it, I was like, I've got to carry on. I've got to keep going because we've built something. We've seen the potential it's got. We obviously had the collection in Top Man and we were doing all our independent workshops and events and stuff like that. So... People, we were quite like buzzing and at the time he did pass away, it was so touching to see how many people actually reached out to us because 
as I said, Quincy was the connector. He knew so many people. And even to this day, I still get people coming up to me who, who knew him. So it's just super important that we always remember that he is part of Stucky still. And the fact that I get, I come across people that still know him, it just reminds me that he's still here. So that was definitely tough, but I'm glad that we're able to overcome it and carry on. And so in 2016 was when we got back on the horse and we kind of reconfigured a few things and we designed a new collection and released it and we came back with a bang. So it was definitely a hard and tough time, um, but we overcame it and we're still here now, like carrying the torch. So I honestly can't imagine what you went through with that. Running a business, it can be difficult anyway, but but going through that, it, like you say, it's just, yeah, I'm so sorry that you had to deal with that. But what an amazing legacy that you're carrying on for him and his family and like everyone that knew him as well. Like, it'd be mega proud that you, that you managed to keep going, I reckon. I hope so. Yeah, we've come so far and I'm, I'm just glad that we're able to keep that spark alive as mm -hmm. well. Because at the time it did get dimmed a lot and I was like, what's the point of anything? But I suppose that's part of the grieving process. Yeah. And like you say, you can't just like throw yourself into work, yeah. which most people would have done. Yeah. So, yeah. But it taking was, a little hiatus, yeah, taking yeah. a little break from it, yeah. coming back stronger. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah, I, as you say, I think he would be proud if we've if he's seen like everything we've done since. Like we have done a lot since then as well. And But we always come back to the point of remembering him as well because he's still a very much part of Stucky because whenever I, I come across challenges nowadays I always sit back and think what would Quincy do or what would he advise me because he was a great person to go to when you felt like you were at a dead end or just ask for advice just because even though he was the same age as me he was just like so ahead of his time because a lot of the things that we do we're doing now he predicted back then so he definitely was a bright spark and it was such a shame that he passed away because he had so much more potential so it would be crazy to see what he would be up to right now but I, I guess it just wasn't meant to be yeah it's it's just um such a hard thing to wrap your head around isn't it yeah losing someone when they're young yeah especially yeah, yeah. someone so close Exactly. Talking about like where you kind of were back then and where you are now, and you said that you're still kind of really engaged with like youth culture by making sure that you've got young people kind of around you. How much do you think that's changed in the last 10 years? What's been like the big, big shifts for you in, in that amount of time where um, like culturally? Because I, I suppose back maybe 2010, things like... UK grime and hip-hop were kind of there and they were fairly big but then we're getting to the point where you know you've got Stormzy headlining Glastonbury you've got people from like the communities of East London actually on the radio with with their music not just like getting signed to a label and doing what they want to do you've actually got um sort of representation I think now in the in the mainstream yeah. and maybe when you guys first started that wasn't something that was that was there as much mm, I think you're right because obviously I think YouTube was around in 2011 but it just wasn't as prevalent as it is now and like what you mentioned about all the artists going independent and doing their own thing aside from record labels it definitely was or if it was prevalent it was more underground than it is like out in the open as it is now 
So I feel like it's cha- it's really good to see the change that has happened and the fact that diversity, obviously we've still got a long way to go, but it has come on leaps and bounds in terms of the people that we're seeing on the TV and the people that are having access to like things like that, like getting in, in their foot in the door and being part of the industry. I feel like it's definitely, the representation is getting better, but we just want to continue to nurture that and make sure that people are seeing themselves on the TV. Because when I was growing up, I didn't see like another Asian girl doing something like I'm doing on the TV. And even in the jewellery industry, it is very male dominated. Even though people think of jewellery as a feminine thing, it's still very male dominated. So it's super important that I kind of am that person for the next generation, for them to see that someone from Hackney has been able to come out of the mud and establish a business and create their own lane in something and you don't have to go the route that society teaches everyone of getting a job and getting stuck in the nine to five because I did work a little bit before well during as we was building up Stucky but that took so much time away from me that I wasn't able to focus on Stucky so it was either money or time that's what you got to think about so I was getting money from the job but I had no time yeah so that's tricky balance exactly so I had to figure out what it is and something happened at my job that pushed me over the edge and I feel like that was probably the reason for me to leave and that was like God telling me this is your time now so I had to have that experience because I was too complacent in my job I was just getting by getting the money stacking the money and just carrying on and doing stucky whenever in my free time but I was so knackered, like I was exhausted. I couldn't really do anything because I was working so much overtime. But then I had to quit my job and then I was able to put my time into Stucky and make it what it is today. But the fact is I'm not getting as much money as I was when I was working. But we're getting to that point. Like it's about building the foundations and making sure that we're building a legacy because one of our collections is called Legacy. So that's always at the back of our mind, like building something strong that we can then... Do you understand what I'm trying to say? I think you're going about it the right way. I think rather than just trying to create something quick where you're going to make a quick buck out of it. Exactly. um, Trying to build something with longevity and with a future, something that's going to keep going and keep paying the bills. And I think that's a really important, um, I think that's a wise way to look at a business for sure, especially if it's like a business that you're passionate about and you care about. You want to see it like grow into something that's going to sort of stand the test of time, which I mean, so far it has. For real. And I feel extremely blessed because I've had a very um, understanding family as well, because a lot of Asian families are like my my family is very westernized and they're very understanding of the route that I've taken. But I know a lot of Indian families with that kind of background, they're very strict in terms of the route that their career takes. So I feel like that has really helped me as well, because I've been able to continue my passion without any restrictions because if it was where my parents were like condemning what I was doing in terms of a career I feel like the route would have been a lot different and it would have been a lot harder for me to achieve the things that I've achieved but the fact that they're always like congratulating me for everything and 
just so happy and proud of the things that I've achieved so far even though there's still so much more to do it's just I feel like even subconsciously it's been great to have that in the background because I know people that have struggled with family life and it's not easy like because that's always what you're thinking about they're not able to put their full attention to what it is and their passion because they're getting held back by what it's going to be like the environment at home and stuff so I feel it's nothing I've really talked about before so I feel like it's super important to mention it that it's great that I have that support system because without them I don't think this would have been possible either. Yeah that's beautiful and um, do you know what you're the um, not the first person on this podcast to say that I had um, Muhammad Ali and I had Maharanjam uh, both from the Bangladeshi diaspora and they were saying similar things that um, in in their community creative arts isn't always something that's kind of encouraged Mm even kind of respected it's more like go to school go to college get a job um so to have that support in your in your family must be like a a big relief you know just to not have to worry about that not have to worry just knowing that whatever you're doing they're they're happy and they're proud accepted rather than just like trying to do something that you're unhappy with to to please people no exactly i feel like that i'm so grateful for that and it's just been obviously we have like obviously we're just like a normal family and there's things that happen but we work through it and the fact that they constantly tell me that they're proud of like what Stuki has achieved is what helps keep me going as well and just make me want to get more because I'm like I've got this far but there's still so much more we've got to do and like I said Quincy had ideas as well so it's not just this is it I've established a brand and now what there's always more things to do and more things to achieve so we just want to keep it moving. Yeah, I love that. Um, so actually, we kind of met originally, and we put in touch as well for this from the from the East End Trades Guild, which we've both been kind of members of for quite a long time. And you guys are kind of pretty active in that with the with the guild and now the the markets that you guys are running as well. Yeah, how's how's that been for you guys? Because for us, I think the biggest thing for me with the Trades Guild wasn't just the fact that. Um, well originally I think it was about having an organization that came together like a kind of union to represent and try and help small businesses but I think the the biggest thing for me has been the the sense of um, community that we get within it and the fact that there's kind of skillshare the fact that you can go to other people that are going through similar things and specifically through the pandemic I felt that it was like really crucial to kind of have that Oh, for sure. Because especially as a small business, the world is scary enough as it is. And being a small business and during the pandemic was a very scary time because it was so uncertain for everyone and no one was sure what was going to happen. So being a part of the Guild has definitely, I would say, been a benefit during that time. But also before that, I think it was great just being a member and being able to connect with other small businesses and just seeing that there are loads of other people in the same boat as like myself, for example. So it was great that uh, the guild is there and you're able to access all these different businesses and the variety there is amazing as well. There's so many people in so many different fields and just having access to that pot of people, I think is good because whenever I need something that is not within my industry, 
the first thing I think of is who's in the guild that I could help and support and reach out to so I feel like it's been really good in that sense and even going to like the meetings and stuff it's great seeing the different members and meeting and connecting with people in that way and then also being a part of this cultural team for the market has definitely been something I didn't imagine myself doing because I've never seen myself as a leader but it's just panned out that way so the fact that we were able to come together with other businesses that want to start or be part of a market because they all sell like handmade goods so it makes sense that we create something that people in that community can take part in and we can all support each other and we can all benefit from it so being a part of this cultural team has definitely been it's helped my growth as an individual because I've learned so much along the way, but also I think it helps the people that are taking part, us being small businesses as well, because we understand it's not just people that uh, Chrissy has hired to come in and try and create this cultural market. We're actually people that are small businesses as well. We understand the needs and what people want from the cultural team. So coming together with like Henrietta and the other leaders of the group has been amazing to like we meet so regularly as well like we have conversations like once every two weeks about our next steps so I think it's been amazing to kind of create something from nothing and even though we were part of Spitalfields Market which was great to be part of that um, but I mentioned it to you before we started that the footfall blindsides you you think oh because there's a lot of footfall there we're gonna make we're gonna sell out but it's not the case so that kind of again it made us realize that it's not just the footfall it's the quality of the shoppers that you need as well so we're starting we started a new market last month so September was our pilot for this new market that we started at Space Studios it's on um do you know Mare Street yeah, so it's just next to there. You've probably passed it. Yeah. Um, so it's just on Warburton Road and it's a great space. Um, we, As I said, we did our pilot last month and everyone was happy with how it went. Like we've we've been able to have so much flexibility as well and we're able to create the market how we want to create it. So we don't have those restrictions that Spitalfields gave us, which I understand why, because they're well established and stuff. But it, I felt like it was holding us back a lot. So to be able to kind of have full reign on what we can, or on how we can create our market has just been such a relief. And I feel like working with the other traders that are part of the market, everyone is so feeling so encouraged because even though we are starting from scratch and we are trying to build momentum and let people know we're there, I think everyone is up for the challenge. So because all of those people are members of the Trades Guild, I think it's great to see the support from everyone and the fact that everyone knows this is going to be a challenge, but we're going to get through it together and we're going to build this together. So that's what I love about the Guild. We're all about 
community and building together, which is super important. It is, yeah, isn't it? Especially, like you say, when you're a small business, you sometimes feel out isolated and on your own, especially like that. Like if you just said, right, I'm going to go and like stick up a market stall somewhere on a weekend, it's, it's not really going to work. But if you're going to get like a whole group of people that are doing similar things and you're all going to help build it together, that sense of like shared responsibility and ownership of it is going to like make it a million times easier to make a success of it. And I just want to big up all the, the people that have supported the market because without everyone taking responsibility for their role and what it is they're bringing to the table has made our job a lot easier as leaders because one thing we wanted to kind of make people realise when they enter the market with us is that we're not going to do everything for everyone because it's a big job. Like we've all got to work together and p pull our weight. And even though, yes, we overlook everything and we like put all the main things in place, it takes a whole village to build. What's the saying I'm, I'm trying to figure out? It, it takes, takes a, whole a whole to build a village. village to, I don't know. There's, you know there's a I saying mean, in there somewhere, Nadia. <laughs> it takes a whole team to build a village, <laughs> something, something like, like that. that. So we're just trying to build our village. Wicked. Yeah, and you're doing a great job of it, I reckon. Um, and you're also doing a bit of charity work as well, aren't you? With like the Flair and Haringey Learning Partnership. Yeah, so basically um, it's a new charity called Flair and it's a friend of ours who we kind of did a project with them earlier in March where we were working with HLP as well and it was like a marketplace that Flair put on where they were trying to give um, excluded kids a chance to create a business and understand being an entrepreneur so we took part in the Flair marketplace where we were able to present what Stuki has done so far we showed our jewellery we showed our product products and we were just being mentors to the children and because we really connected with Izzy from Flair she really loved what Stuki was about and everything we've built up so far. That's how this new community project came about. So last week we just started our the first week in a 12-week programme where we're working with eight kids from the Haringey Learning Partnership and by the end of the 12 weeks we're going to make a collaboration t-shirt with them. So the first week, which was last week, we did some mood boarding, which is the first step in designing a product so it was a great session where we got to spark the ideas with the kids and get them to really think about the design that they wanted so we got a load of magazines cut them all up created a load of mood boards and basically each week is going to be in a different stage in the project so we've we've got um, a designing week coming up where they're going to go into the computers and design their piece. Then we've got the vinyl cutting and the heat pressing. So we're all making this all in-house, making our samples, and then we're going to do a photo shoot as well. And then by the end of it, there's going to be a fashion show and then there'll be like a pre-order for the T-shirt. So we're, we're aiming to get it ready by Christmas time so that when the kids put it up on the website, we'll get a load of pre-orders. And the great thing about it is that they get to keep, so we're splitting all the profits equally. So Stucky, Flair and the kids, whatever we sell, all the profits will be shared equally along that, just so that they can get an idea of how business works. And if they can see that they can make money this way, it's a way to encourage them and just show them that there's other ways 
So that's the whole idea of the project. And so we're super excited to be part of it. Yeah, that sounds a really great concept. Man, um, Nadia, you've done so much in like such a short time and such a young age. And you've got so much going on now as well. You're really quite inspiring. Um, is there anything else you want to add before we, um, before we finish up? Oh, is it finished already? <laughs> I thought we were just getting started. Only just getting started. Just get another hour if you want. Um, no, I, no, I just want to say, like, I'm extremely grateful. And I just want to say, like, thank you for, like, even inviting me to the podcast because I think it's super important to show people our journey and show people that I've not come from a privileged background, but I've been able to kind of pave my way and just try and make a difference in some way. Like, try and bring some good to this world because there's a lot going on right now. There's always something, like, whether it's the pandemic or something else, it's just there's so much negativity. So we're just trying to bring a little bit of light to people's lives and just show them that there is good still out there. We're just trying to help people and we're just trying to make people feel good. So... I hope I've done that in some sense. Oh man, absolutely massively. And I hope that um, anyone listening to this, but specifically any any young people listening to this will be um, really inspired by everything that you've achieved and that they can go on to achieve themselves. Yeah, so can I just tell people about the market? Oh yeah, man. So that's this Sunday, isn't it? Yeah, so the, ne the next market we have is on October the 2nd, which is this Sunday. But if you're not able to come to that one, it's always the first Sunday of every month. So we're doing one on the 6th of November, I think. And then in December, we've got two. So in the run up to Christmas, because obviously people are buying a lot of gifts and stuff. That's the perfect reason to come down and support small independent businesses and just yeah man get nana a stucky necklace yes exactly <laughs> bling her out <laughs> yeah i'm sure she'll appreciate it yeah no well do you know what um we'll put all the we'll put all the links to the markets and to uh, and to the workshops and everything that you guys do that'll be amazing um, in the in the links in the in the episode yeah amazing and if there's any uh, people that would like to trade as well at the market we're always looking for new people to come and take part as well so that'll be great Nadia thanks so much for coming down and doing this it's been amazing chatting to you yeah I'll see you at the market on the weekend and best of luck with everything in the future thank you thank you so much Thanks so much to Nadia for taking the time to do this. Um, we'll drop all the info for all of the projects we spoke about in the show notes. You can let us know what you think in the Instagram post of this episode at Alternative LDN. And don't forget to leave five stars and subscribe for more episodes wherever you get your podcasts. This has been the Alternative London podcast with me, Gary Means, edited by Stu Ballingall. We'll see you next time.